The following is a Furnished Brothers production. Introducing your host, Rob. Put your best players out there, Mike. And Ryan. He missed the net, and it somehow went in. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. about you rye but i am exhausted after watching that yeah well that game was a roller coaster of emotion coming out of me it sure was buddy same for me welcome to episode 20 of the talking buds podcast ryan happy 20th episode buddy yeah wow 20th episode let's get going we got a game to talk about we got trade deadline we got this we got that let's get into it okay so the toronto maple leafs going to st louis tonight to take on the red hot st louis blues the blues had won 10 straight on the heels of their superstar goaltender jordan bennington jordan bennington and they that guy is out of his mind right now. So, so you hit on it earlier. Absolute roller coaster of emotion while watching this game. We'll do a quick recap of it. I'll just run through some th- things that happened, and uh, then we'll get into. I, I got some. I got some things I want to discuss. Okay, I got some things I want to get off my chest. So, just a couple of things to take away from this game. The Leafs played one of the worst periods of the season in the first period of this game. They got absolutely dominated by the St. Louis Blues for all 20 minutes of the first period. Ryan, when that first period ended, I was ready to come on here tonight and just unload, unload on this team and the softness and the inability to defend the other team's forecheck. But then, they came out for the second period. But, Nazem Kadri did not join them in coming out for the second period because he got absolutely laid out in the first period by Vince Dunn. Vinny Dunn. Who the hell is Vince Dunn? Good guy, Vinny Dunn. I'll tell you who Vince Dunn is. He's the guy who laid Nazem Kadri out and concussed him, and we did not see Kadri for the rest of the game. Yeah, Kadri was a target tonight, man. Like you could tell in some of these guys like playing Kadri before, they don't like him. They, they don't like him, and he's he's a guy who plays on an edge. But you're kind of standing next to him, being like, I think I could take this guy. Yep, for sure. So the Leafs had a little more jump in the second period. Didn't allow any goals. Still running into the Bennington brick wall. You like that? Oh, yeah. Bennington brick wall. Yeah, the second period, they they had the puck a lot, but they didn't have a lot of great chances towards the net. 
So a little better building momentum. My anger from the first period started to decrease a little bit, and I started to get more into what I was watching. Come out for the third period, and the Leafs look like a completely different team. Totally took the game over, dominated the Blues for pretty much the entire period. And then, Ryan, it finally happened. The the most dangerous sniper in a Leaf uniform, Zach Hyman, ended the Bennington shutout streak. Yeah, Zach Hyman. I thought Zach Hyman had the best chances on net tonight, just going to the he net sh- hard. I would, I would agree with you on that. Then, Austin Matthews bangs in a rebound, which St. Louis tried to challenge unsuccessfully, makes it 2-2, and we're in business. And the Leafs end up holding on to that tie and escaping with a point before going into overtime. And Ryan O'Reilly... Well, actually, Mitch Marner had a breakaway of his own into the Blues zone. Went around the net looking for that vintage Mitch Marner pass because he just refuses to shoot the puck. Goes barreling into the official. Two on one the other way. Ryan O'Reilly snipe on Freddie Anderson. The St. Louis Blues have now won 11 straight games. Before I ask you the question I want to ask you, any observations that you had from the game that I may have missed in my recap? No, I, I think you hit on everything. Just the Leafs got better as the game went along. And and they talk about the Leafs playing like a speed game. And sometimes like it kind of drives me crazy because I feel like they get outskated against a lot of teams. But when you start going chance for chance with the Toronto Maple Leafs, and that's when the Leafs are going to start getting going. And I thought the Blues kind of got away from their forechecking style and kind of started playing the Leaf game, which is why the Leafs were able to get back into it. So I thought they did a good job of battling back and getting a point on the road after a long road trip. But in the end, Marner just blew an absolute wheel behind the net and then two on one on a three on three overtime. Like it's usually, it's usually in the net. Usually lights out when that happens. Okay, Ryan, I have a question and I want you to be the one to answer it for me. Why... Is this team unable to just play a solid 60 minutes? It's just... You watch that first period. And even in games when the Leafs play well, there are moments where the other team... Like, the scouting report is out on playing the Toronto Maple Leafs. You dump the puck into their zone and you forecheck aggressively and they can't handle it at all. It completely describes disrupts their breakout completely disrupts any momentum the forwards try and get going out of the zone it's just why are they unable to just consistently play the way they played in the third period tonight like they Brian, they were atrocious in the first period and it's like this not starting on time like what is it is it is it coaching is it personnel is it the fact that they're all still kids is it the system like like what is it why are they not able to string together a consistent 60 minute effort i don't know i feel like it just changes like every game like it could be a different reason every game but if i just had to pick one thing out it's like 
they rely on just their, their skill game, right? They're just looking for that opportunity to score, trying to get that stretch pass, trying to get an odd man rush, trying to find that opportunity. And when those opportunities aren't coming easy, then what you have to do to get those opportunities is work. And that's something is, they struggle yeah. at. They Sometimes is, they don't they, know how to work when, yeah. when things aren't going well. So if, if your skill game's not working, then you got to rely on something else. And that's something that... They don't really have in their arsenal. We saw it in the first period. Like that was like that first period. You had to come out and play hard and be hard on your stick and fight in the corner because they they were coming out hot. The Blues. Can can you teach a group of players how to work hard like that? No, you can't teach that. It. The reason why you can't teach it is you saw it in the third period. All of a sudden, everyone looked kind of pissed off, kind of angry, kind of desperate because they knew they got they got embarrassed earlier in the game. And look what happened. They fought back. They played well. Yeah, I just it's like, at what point are we going to realize? Because when I watch them play the way they played tonight, I have a very, very hard time envisioning them beating Boston in the first round of the playoffs. And it's just like, I've gone on this rant before. At what point are these guys going to understand that you've got to be a little, like you've got to work a little harder. You've got to win more battles. Your wall work has got to be better. Like it's just like so soft along the walls. So soft along the walls. And you get that's why they get stuck in their own end. And other teams dominate them when they get aggressive on their forecheck. It's like, it's just, it's so, because I kind of sit there, like, I'm sitting there tonight after the first period and I'm going, what are we doing? Like, what are we doing? Are we just, are we just going to skill our way to another first round exit? Because that's what it looks like we're doing. And then it's like, I'm going back and forth on Twitter. And it's like, they score goals and like, they're so skilled, like they're too skilled for their own good. Like they can get away with taking half the game off because they've got enough offensive skill to score a couple of goals late in a game when they need it. But it's like, that's not going to work in the postseason. No, and when they're going to realize it is when they're down in that series in a desperate situation. You go, we got to start working. Because the Bruins aren't going to stop working. Look at them right now. They've won six in a row. They're dominating. They can score. They got good D. They work hard. And and maybe it's going to take... They'll, they'll go down early in the series and they'll have to do what they did last year and try to fight their way back because they're going to realize that they're going to have to match what the Bruins are giving them in that series and for them to have any sort of chance. And none of us can be feeling good going into that series. Like, it's just... Boston is a very, very good hockey team. Okay, like I, I get that they're they're tough and and they lay the body and but they can score too. So like I I'm not feeling good. Go because look at the playoff picture. Look at the standings right now. Like that's that's it's happening. Like it's happening. Oh yeah, it's for sure happening. The Habs are starting to come back down to earth a little bit. The Bruins are starting to become the Bruins. Yeah, they can't they can't and, stop winning. That's all they and do. The lead- win. And the Leafs will be going to TD Garden for game one of the playoffs. Oh, yeah. hundred Dude, it's... Oh, like, ugh. I just want someone to give me an answer as to why 
they still can't get it through their head that when the game is not coming easy to you, you need to bear down and go and get it and work for it. Like, I, I don't understand why this team has such a hard time wrapping their heads around that. And I get on Babcock more than anybody, but it's like, you know, this is what he's been preaching to them is it's like, you got to bear down. You got to win your battles along the wall. You got to do all that stuff that like, that makes it, that, that'll help the game come easier to you. But they just, they, they, they don't do it. They don't do it. And it's like tonight, when you were describing the game tonight, you said, the Blues got away from what they were doing in the first period. And that's how I feel, too. It's like, I, it's not necessarily that the Leafs started bearing down and winning puck battles. It was St. Louis got a, took their foot off the gas a little bit and started going chance for chance with the Leafs. And that's the exact type of game that the Leafs want to play. And where I, as a fan, am starting to get frustrated is, that's all well and good. I don't know if you can win a Stanley Cup playing like that. No, and especially the other teams you're going up against. Like, you compare them to the other teams in the league, like the Winnipeg Jets or the, even the Tampa Bay Lightning or any any top team in the league. Like, do you think Tampa has no problem scoring? Like, we're seeing that right now. They have a player on their team who's already at 99 points through 60 games. Like, that team can score better than the Leafs. And guess Kucherov what? Kucherov has more points than the Lightning team. Yeah, like, it's just ridiculous. And, it, and it's just... Other teams can play that skilled game too, but they also have those guys who could bear down and get get nasty when the game calls for it, you know? Like, they can bring that next level that the, that some of these guys on their team cannot bring. And that's... It's hard to ask a guy like Mitch Marner or, like, even Austin Matthews sometimes to be like, you got to, you got to start getting your face in there because they're not used to that. That's not like the game they play, but that's some, but also for us, like that's frustrating because other best players on other teams in the league, like don't bear down and get, get into the corners and work hard and be hard on their stick and take a punch and take a hit. And sometimes these leaf players, like it takes them, a long time for them to get to that level. Like Austin Matthews, I saw him get to that level in the third period tonight. Like he started getting pissed off. His fa- you can tell in his face, his face started getting red. He got all angry, started working hard, skating hard, had the puck all period. And look what happened. They come back, they tie the game. But it's just, why do we have to wait for disaster for us to start playing the way we need to play to beat these kind of teams? I think that's where um, some of the people who are more um, analytics-oriented get irritated with maybe some of the old-school people. Because, like, to what you just said, we're not asking Austin Matthews and Mitch Marner and William Nylander and John Tavares to go out there and drop the mitts. We're just saying that, like, you're going to have to go in the corner and give someone a shove to to get the puck. You have to shove a guy off a puck here and there. Yeah, and just the, when, the easiest when the game gets tough. Yeah, the easiest thing. Just watch the game. Watch the next time you, when the Leafs dump the puck in on the other team's defense. Look how easy it is for their defense to make a D to D pass behind the net, get up to a forward, get it up to the other guy. Then they're in the neutral zone. Then they dump the puck in the Leaf zone and watch how much trouble the Leafs D have trying to complete the same breakout with. 
these guys barreling down on them. And you, you could tell, like, Gardner or Zaitsev or whoever's on the back ends going back towards the puck. You can see, like, they're kind of peeking over their shoulder a little bit. Like, oh, this guy's about to nail me. So they have that little moment's hesitation. And then that leads to a giveaway or a pass. And then the other guy's covered. And it's just, it's, just watch the difference in four checks between, like, the Bruins and the Leafs. Like, it's just... It's just something that they, even in their forecheck, it's not even in their own end. Like the Leafs forecheck needs to be like tougher, heavier, like hit the guy while he has the puck. Don't wait for him to make a perfect pass and then finish your check. Like get in there quick enough to make that initial hit. It drives me crazy. Like why are we waiting for the guy to throw a perfect pass to his D partner and then finish our check because it looks good. It's like, no, get in there first or get in there at the same time. And disrupt the guy, hit him, take the puck, force a turnover. But no, it's kind of like, oh, I'm going to wait like a split second and let the guy make a perfect pass. Why are they like that though, Ryan? I like, don't know. Why? I don't know. Yeah, it's just, it like, it's just, is it just, is, the, is it, is it just this, this particular group of individuals is just not wired that way. Like they, they're just all perimeter soft, like w- with the exception of Zach Hyman, they're all just like perimeter and Johnny T will go in there here and there and, and, and dig a puck out. But for the most part, they just, they, nobody looks really interested in wanting to do that. But this, it, this isn't even like date back to like, th- like it's not even this team. Like even if you date back to the Phil teams, like they were the, they played the same way. Like it, it like none of those earlier Toronto Maple Leaf teams were like great for checking teams. They've always like, through the past like era or two, it's kind of been the same thing. Like we have skilled players, we're gonna play a quote unquote speed game, and we're gonna take advantage of our opportunities. But I, I just don't get I don't get it because when I'm watching the game, it's like, why are the St. Louis Blues forwards always getting there at the right time to lay a hit on the Leafs D and forcing them to make a mistake because they're they're pressuring them. And then you watch the Leafs four check and it's like they're always just that split second too late and it gives them the ability to make a perfect pass out of their zone and it's an easy breakout. I, I don't understand what it is. It's not like Mike Babcock can look at his line and just be like, you guys need to skate harder. Like he could say that all he wants. They got to go out and actually do it. Well, Ryan, the St. Louis Blues do it because they've um, that's the game plan their coaches have given them as to how to beat the Leafs and how to put pressure on the Leafs. And so you just said Mike Babcock can say that all he wants and they're, they're the players are the ones that have to go out and execute. So is it is it an issue with the coach? I don't... Is it that well, even this, if this Mike group Babcock of players just deployed that plan and was like, hey, we're going to play this kind of game tonight that the Blues played against the Leafs, if... If they game plan that towards, say, the Flyers, do you think the Leafs are could actually execute it? Do you think the personnel, the lines, the could actually go out there and execute that game plan? Like, I'm not so, sure even if Babcock told them to do that, that they could even do it. So you're leaning more towards this is a personnel problem. No, I, I honestly, like, there's only so much, like, a coach can do. Like, at the, like all those guys, they, they, they know when they get back to the bench, like... The, the coach pulls out his little whiteboard and he's like, oh, well, next time you, you go on this wing a little quicker then like, it's just like, that doesn't matter. Like that doesn't do anything. Like these guys are all big boys. Like hockey is not an X and O type of game where, you know, 
what plays are next, you know? It's kind of like, it's frantic. It's the puck's here, the puck's there, and you kind of react based on instinct. And it's just, I, I just don't think the coaching staff can do anything to make them play a more four-check heavy game. Like, they just he just doesn't have the horses to do that. And it's frustrating because it's like, it's very frustrating. It's frustrating too because it's like, this is probably the, I think it is the best start the Maple Leafs have, or the best season so far through like 60 games. They've have, they have the most wins in franchise history through like 60 games. And people are always like, oh, well, you got to look at the bright side. Like this is the best start they've had. But it's like, this franchise has frankly been a joke for like decades now. So like, I'm not sure you can just say this is the best start they've had because it's like that you can't really compare them to the crap eras that came before, came before us. Like I just, I, I don't know. Like it's just, it's so hard because they're not a bad team. Like they're not in the bottom, but you're watching them and you can just understand that they can't get where they need to go. If they play this way, you know, no matter how many points they get in the regular season or how many franchise records they, they set or they beat. Like, I, I, I don't know. Well, it's I hate to be to sort of end this segment on a negative light because they did have a really good third period and I was impressed with the the cojones they showed in the third period there, but this team is very skilled. They're very exciting, they're fun to watch, but until this group of guys realizes that it takes more than just being skilled and waiting for the perfect pass or floating through the perimeter, waiting for a loose puck. I just don't, I have a very, very hard time being optimistic heading into a first round series against the Boston Bruins. Yeah. And it's like, would you, would you feel different though, if they were playing like the Habs or any other team other than the Bruins like I'd feel I'd feel a little different that maybe they'd get out of the first round but if they're gonna run up against a team that plays heavy hockey or today today he said they play long that's the thing about the Blues they play long oh, I know it's just like what is that what does that mean that's just made <laughs> up yeah I know, I know. Like, where did you what? where did you come up with that yeah like does he a... make those up on the spot or does he just go I see him having his own he seems like a guy who comes up with his own material yeah, for sure. He's, I I feel like he's kind of like he comes up with that weird kind of hockey bumbo jumbo, but everyone starts like saying it, you know, like everyone just starts saying it oh, like it's I, normal. There were so many long hockey jokes on Twitter tonight; it was hilarious. Yeah, like it's just I don't know. But like, if you talk about the first round and the Bruins, like it's like okay, like what's the expectation here? Is it get passed around or is it win a Stanley Cup? Like let's like. Because even if you played another team in the first round, say you won a round, for some people that'd be enough. But for some other people, they're like, this is the best opportunity the Leafs have to win a cup this year. So it's like, so what if you get through a round? You got to get through four. Tampa's got 96 points. The Leafs, the Leafs are very hard-pressed to win a cup this year. For me personally, getting to the second or third round would be great. If they if they go in and lose to Boston in the first round, this season is a failure to me. Yeah, well, if they played anyone and lost in the first round, I feel like it's definitely a failure. You just yeah, wish you Boston had an easier time, time but it's not going to be easy. Oh, yeah. 
Rob, my brother, got a little question for you. What's that, Ryan? If people are unaware about the Talking Buds podcast, where can they hear us? Where can they find us? Well, Ryan, they can hear the show on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn, and YouTube. They can also follow our daily posts on Instagram at Talking Buds Podcast, on Twitter at Talking Buds Pod, and do not forget to hit that little subscribe button and leave a little five star review and be a absolute bod. Thank you for the support, everybody. Now, let's get back to the Toronto Maple Leaf Podcast for all the buds. This is the Talking Buds Podcast. Ryan, we just spent the entire first segment ranting and raving about the lack of grit, lack of toughness, if you will. The NHL trade deadline is this coming Monday. I know you'll be up early, have with a TV on at 8 a.m., flipping between the two networks. No, I won't. That's a promise. It's called Twitter. Turn on your notifications. So... Do we think Kyle Dubas has another move up his sleeve? Or do you envision this being the roster that finishes out the rest of this season? Additionally, I asked I posed this question on Instagram yesterday. If you were Kyle Dubas, what exactly would you be looking for? I, I honestly believe that this is the roster we're going in the playoffs with. Like, if you want to go out, well, like now the Kadri injury, that's going to dial everything up to a thousand. We've got to go out and get another center. Like, it's going to be, that's that's coming. Like, get oh, get yeah. ready for that. But, well, it's a concussion, though. You never know with concussions. It could be could be a couple of days, could be a couple of weeks. You never know. Yeah, like now, like, well, if you look at it now, it's like now Freddie the Goat's your third line center. So... All of a sudden, your unreal center depth turns into kind of like, eh. Now you got the goat at center, and you got Par, Par Lindholm. Lindholm. Yeah, you got Par Lindholm and the goat on two separate lines now. Like that, that's kind of concerning. So that that, that kinda... if 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 Kadri's out long term, that they might have to go out and try to find another centerman. And I, I usually it's like I hate these people who are like, let's go out and find a fourth line centerman. It's like that's why go out and spend any sort of asset to get a guy who plays 10 minutes a night. We've seen it the last two years. They went out and got Brian Boyle. They went out and got Placanic. Guess what that did? Nothing. Like, it's just a waste. But if Kadri is out long-term, then they might have to look at somebody who can fill in a third-line center situation because having the GOAT on the third line for more than 10 games is a little concerning. If Kadri is not out long term and you could bring in anything or anyone, what would it be? Oh boy. What would it be? Well, like I personally I wanna live in La La Land. It's like 
I want to get the big fish over here. Like, obviously, it's like everyone's always like Wayne Simmons, which I, I'm saying it. That's zero percent. Like, that's not happening. But like me personally, if I'm in fantasy land, like I want to get someone who's actually going to make a legit impact and you know they're going to make an impact. It's like, let's not go out and take a flyer on someone like that's just a waste. Like, don't trade a second round pick to get a guy who plays 10 minutes a night. Like, you might as well just keep your roster the way it is. It's like, but I just don't see Kyle Dubas doing any, because we know, like, he's not trading the guys on the roster. Like, that's why the Muzzin deal was so great. Yeah, and I got I got a really hard time giving up assets for rental. So, like, anyone who's going to throw the word Panarin at me, it's just like, guys are rental, and they can't afford to sign him at the end of the year. So, no. Yeah, that's Simmons too. Like it, it's like these these one year, like these half a se- not even half a season. You get the guy for a couple months and then he's gone. You've given up a bunch of assets for him, and guess what? You probably didn't win. Where, where are you at on um, these Adam McQuaid rumors? I guess they are. They're 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 small, but his name has been bandied about a little bit. No, that's not happening. Like let's like what do you? I just. What are you going to give? Like, what are you going to give up? What is Kyle Dubas going to give up? You know, well, like well, you, Ryan, your Ryan, first Ryan, round picks are... already gone. Oh, no, they, they Ryan, I, I was seeing things on Twitter yesterday. Hainsey for McQuaid, one for one. Let's go. Oh, um, yeah. I'm sure the Rangers would just love to trade one of their defensemen for a guy who's even older than the guy they're trading away. I know. And a team that's about to start a rebuild. It's just stupid. Like, I get like. Like, we could just live in Fantasyland and try to, like, make these big trades. Like, would you trade Martyr and Matthews for, like, McDavid? Like, a, like a Fantasyland trade like that. But, like, let's not sit here and be like, we should trade up Hainsey for uh, Radko Gudis. It's like, oh, my God. Like, oh, heard, yeah, Jesus. Yeah. It's like they don't have the assets to to give up to get any of it's these like guys. It's like Radko Gudis is a third-line third pairing defenseman who fans just go on nhl.com and see hits leaders and see his name so they're like oh that, that's the grit we need we need to get radko gudis over here it's like if radko gudis would come here two weeks later everyone would hate him like just like I, at the end of the day it's just kyle dubas has made it clear that he's not going to trade Janssen or Kapitan. we've had this conversation before i don't see it changing and like there's nothing left to give up like he traded like his first round pick was his best chip and he he used it so well perfect perfect example and anyone listening to this i'm just making an observation don't rip my head off i'm not giving up on the guy i still love the deal but it's like two weeks ago jake muzzin was the greatest thing since sliced bread and he threw another no look pizza behind his back tonight that ended up in the back yeah, of the net. Blew so an let's, absolute let's, wheel too. So let's let's all settle down before we start talking about Radko Guditz and Adam McQuaid coming in and making this huge difference. Everybody settle down, Jake Muzzin lovers. I'm a huge fan of the deal still, but I just wanted to point that out. Yeah, he's given away the puck a couple times, and it's like, yeah, would, it, would Adam McQuaid be a an upgrade on toughness and like, I I don't sit and watch Rangers games. I'm not going to pretend to know like what 
kind of player Adam McQuaid is other than the fact that we know he can drop the gloves and lay up, yeah. lay a body. It's like, that's all we really know about him. Like let, no one's sitting there being like, well, if you look at Adam McQuaid's possession numbers, it's like, shut up. Like just that they're not <laughs> going to make a deal. Like just stop. Like it's just stop coming yeah, up with these silly trades. Like e- yeah. even if you turned on Xbox and, Threw in some chill and tried to make a Hainsey for McQuaid trade, the computer like, no. would tell you you're nuts. Like, yeah. so why would a human being do that? Like, it's well, stupid. I tell you what, right? I'm gonna have Leaf notifications on on trade deadline day, and I'm also gonna have Bruin notifications on on trade deadline day because my biggest fear going into the trade deadline is who are the boss? The Bruins. Listen, let's just call a spade a spade here, folks. It hurts my feelings too, but let's just call a spade a spade here. The Boston Bruins are worried about one team and one team only, and that's the Tampa Bay Lightning. They know that if they want to get to where they want to be, they got to beat the Tampa Bay Lightning. They ain't afraid of the Leafs in the first round. Like, at this point, the Leafs beating the Bruins, and I know there's so many people who will kill me because, oh, the Leafs have been better all season and blah, blah, blah. But at this point, just from like a like a mental side of the game, the Leafs beating the Bruins would be considered an upset yeah no the Bruins would have to be favored going into that series but you're but like you brought up a good point like so many people are like the Bruins want to go out and add a legit top six forward because Wayne Simmons yeah like or or, yeah Panarin yeah exactly like they they have enough assets to trade like they they've loaded up with with guys who have some sort of name value in their minor league system or on their roster right now so the Bruins will likely be the team that I'm watching the most come trade deadline day or watching the closest come trade deadline day because, it, yeah, the, the Bruins right now, they want to catch the Tampa Bay Lightning and they're going to have to add a piece or two to do it. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that happen. And if that does happen, that's going to make that first round series for the Leafs that much harder. All right. Let's do the week look ahead here. Thursday night, back at home, defending Stanley Cup champs in the building. Washington Capitals. Just the kind of what the doctor ordered, I guess. The Leafs sort of, like, they've, they've played well against Washington twice this year, so let's hope that momentum carries into this game and this is an opponent that you can really get stoked and get up to play. Saturday night, the Montreal Canadiens are back at Scotiabank Arena, and the Leafs currently have a five-point lead on the Montreal Canadiens, so if they can pick up a W here, they got a chance to pretty much, barring some sort of disaster, put the Canadiens away, and then you're just focusing on battling the Bruins for home ice advantage. Yep. Let's, uh, well, at least we got another good Leafs-Habs game sooner than later. And then Monday night, Buffalo Sabres in town. Wednesday night, the Edmonton Oilers. Hot off our rant last week about the Oilers, baby. Oh, yeah. Edmonton. Yeah, I'm thinking we'll we'll probably do episode 21 on Monday after the Sabres game, but you never know with you and me, Ryan. We like to keep it... uh, We like to keep it kind of sporadic. Keep it elusive. All right, let's do Bums and Beauties. It's time to find out who's a bum and who's a beauty. Take it away, buds. 
That's exactly right. It is the episode 20 edition of Bums and Beauties. Ryan, I will go first. My All right. beauty of the week is Mitch Marner. That clip that went viral of him with the young girl on Valentine's Day was incredible. Just absolute class. The excitement on her face was infectious. I posted that on Facebook and said, if that doesn't warm your heart, then there's no hope for you. So, boy, Mitchie for making that little girl's day and taking the picture with her. boy, Mitchie. Good guy. Good guy, Mitchie. Good guy, Mitchie. Ryan, who is your beauty of the week? All right, my beauty of the week. Taking the easy way out. Going with Frederick Anderson. I know it's an easy pick, but if you really just look at tonight and even like the past couple games like this, sometimes I feel like he's having such a good year that we're forgetting that he's so much better and consistent this year than he was the years previous. At least I feel that way. So like just some of the timely, like I know in overtime, he kind of just be was kind of a statue. He didn't really know where he was going, but there was two on one, three on three, whatever. But it's, he's just, he makes timely save after timely save. And it's just, you take the guy for granted, so he's my beauty of the week. Well, we say we we ranted earlier about how this team likes to take their foot off the gas, and could you imagine where they where they would be if they didn't have him? Like part of this team's recipe for success is having a goaltender back there who can stop just about everything, and Freddie Anderson more than fills that role. Yeah, which is like the chance for chance. If you're gonna play chance for chance, you gotta have a goalie who can stop stop chances. <laughs> For I'd like to do an honorable mention for Beauty of the Week, as this happened earlier tonight. Earlier tonight in Columbus, it was announced that Artemi Panarin was out due to illness. And right at the beginning of John Tortorella's media availability, the first question out of the reporter's mouth is, is he actually sick or are you sitting him because he's going to get traded? And John Tortorella said, quote, this is a family show, so I'm going to pick another word for what he said. He pooped his pants. He was puking. He did everything. So enough. I was told he's sick. He's not eating. He's puking. He's sick as a dog. Yes, he's very sick. That's why he's out. Enough. Towards. Oh, that's... <laughs> yeah, that's... T- he used a different towards. word. When I said he pooped his pants, he he obviously used a different word. But like I said, it's a family show. So we won't... We will we'll keep it PG. But... Torts is so great, man. Especially now, now that he's got all his like crazy, ridiculous, like dressing room storming behavior kind of out of his system, and he's just like the funny coach in Columbus. I love him. Yeah, he he just wears his heart on his sleeve. Like I, I would love, I would love playing for him personally. All right, bum of the week, go. All right, my bum of the week is Patrick Marlowe. Oh, and I know he's a great guy and whatever. I, Super, super duper human being, Patrick Marlowe, but he's just, he doesn't really do anything on the ice. Invisible. Yeah, like he's just like, I know he's a good guy and he's a legend. He's played a bunch of games and he's a borderline Hall of Famer. And like, forget even the cap hit. Like, just forget about the cap hit for a second, which is everyone's problem with him. But it's just like, to me, even if he was making two and a half million dollars, like he's just not doing much on the ice. Like he's just, 
He's just kind of skating around, waving a stick around. Like when the Blues are going D to D, he's kind of just waving his stick in between them, hoping for a tip. And it's just like he's never wreaking havoc in the offensive zone. He's always just kind of gliding around, skating around. And it's just, I feel like he's just not an effective hockey player anymore. And uh, he could be a great guy and a good guy in the room, but eventually, he, like anyone could be a good guy in the room, you know. Like I know he's, a, I know the guys love him, but there's a lot of good dudes out there who could be a popular in the room, who are example. providing more than he's providing them right now. He's an example of a guy that maybe should be playing a little bit heavier, just to lead as an example, and he's not. He's just playing the perimeter floating around you're right waving a stick yeah he just he, he's in yeah, that like not he's good. in that like respect bubble in the league though it's kind of like like no one on the other team is gonna they're gonna see the name on the back and they're not gonna d- rough him up or dirty him up because he's a legend he's a nice guy and, and he in marlo's never been a guy who's played heavy or had like a, a tough side to him so it's just I don't know. If he's not scoring, he's not really doing anything. All right, Rye. Listen, I was going to do it. I was going to pile on my man Grapes for the bunch of jerks comment on Hockey Night. But I'm going to change it because Grapes has been taking some heat. Since making that comment. Like old man yelling at cloud heat. So here's what I'm going to say. If if the Carolina Hurricanes goal situation bothers you. And listen, it bothered me. All right. I named them a bum of the week earlier this year. Because I was like, this is stupid. Why are you guys doing this? Blah, blah, blah. But you know what? Like, if they, I, 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 I disagree. I'm not gonna lie. It's kind of grown on me a little bit, and I'm starting to disagree with the notion that. Listen, if you just think it's goofy and you're like, "This is goofy. I don't like this. Whatever. Cool. That's fine." But the, the anger that I see some people displaying with respect to like they're showing up the other team, show a bit of class. It's just like like they're not showing up the other team. The other team's off the ice. Yeah, you just it's hit just the nail like, on the head yeah, right there, man. Yeah, and and again, it's, it's so it's to me, it's less about it's less about what the Carolina Hurricanes are doing because, like I said, I wasn't a huge fan of it. I've kind of gone from being not a fan of it to being sort of indifferent about it. Being like, listen, that hockey market is so irrelevant. So they have to do things like that to get their fans engaged. So if that works for them and that's helping them sell tickets and sell a bunch of jerks, t-shirts and all that stuff. Great. Good for them. Honestly, good for them. And I kind of looked in the mirror and was like, you know what? Let these guys have their fun. Whatever. It just speaks to the, you hear me talk all the time about how this game and this league as a whole is just so uncool and so unwilling to evolve and so unwilling to show a little bit of personality. Perfect example of this. Not to get on a tangent here, but perfect example of this. John Tavares 
love Johnny T. We all love Johnny T. But John Tavares, like, there's the hilarious, like, became a meme the other night in Phoenix with the puck flying at the bench. And he's just sitting there while everyone else is ducking. And it's hilarious. And he asks, I mean, he's asked about it. It was like yesterday or something, two days ago, whatever. They asked him about it. And his answer is just like, well, you know, obviously you're you're on the bench and you're you're really into the game and you know what the the Coyotes have a great team and I'm just focused on the game and like barely like this game has no personality. They don't let any of these guys show personality and to just go off about how like they have no class. It's just like that's just the same old school nonsense mentality surrounding the National Hockey League that I'm so tired of. It's like the NBA is so great because all these guys have personalities and run their own sort of brand. And in the NHL, they're just robots that put their equipment on and go out there and skate around. And it's just like, if you don't like it, you're allowed to not like it. Like I said, I personally am not the biggest fan of it, but who cares? Let them have their fun they're not showing up the other team. If that's your take that they're that they're classless, like relax. Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with this whole argument cuz I I was thinking about it too and it's like where I'm at with it, it's like if I was on the Carolina Hurricanes and I've been playing in the league for 10-15 years, like I don't mind the little clap, but like if personally if we started playing like limbo with hockey sticks, duck duck goose i would be like all right boys like let's are we serious here like i know this is kind of fun but like let's not like come on like what are we doing but don't give me this sportsmanship blah 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 like oh my just cut it out sportsmanship Sportsmanship is for losers. Like, I know, I know, I know. It's so uninteresting. Like, like classless is like kicking a guy when he's down, you know? Yes, or like, yes. or like a team just got eliminated from the playoffs, and you're all like showing them up. But it's like it's a regular season hockey game. The like, other team has left the ice, Ryan. Like it's it's They're, not it. it like this, they're not like they're a borderline playoff team, you know. Like they're not like beating up teams and embarrassing them and then celebrating after. Like it's just it's an irrelevant hockey market that's just finding something for people to cling on to. So just shut up with your sportsmanship. Like for ugh. sure, for sure. That's yeah. That that's my take. It's like if you don't like it, fine. That's cool. You don't have to like it. But the whole like. This is this is classless. It's like relax. Yeah, let's take a have a cup of settle down. All right, this will be two weeks in a row now that we've ended the show with an epic rant. I think I think should, should we start making this a regular thing? We just have like a little rant segment about something that's going on in the league. Yeah, I feel like we gotta like branch out to more like other team drama because. With the Leafs, like, we're so, like, careful about what we say because it's, like, a... We're not careful about what we say, but it's, like, a weekly thing. So you don't want to go off on a tangent one week and the next week you look like an idiot because they win three games in a row. But, like, when you're talking about other disasters around the National Hockey League, you can kind of just let loose. And I think that'll just about do it for episode 20. I just want to thank everybody who, through these first 20 episodes 
has listened to us. It really means a lot to us. Ryan, I love doing these shows. If if you're someone who's a loyal listener of Talking Buds and you haven't gone on iTunes and either given a five-star rating or written a review, I urge you, please do so. Doing that helps our ratings and helps us get recommended to other people who may be looking for a new hockey podcast to listen to and helps grow the show and attract new listeners. So if you haven't done that, please takes two seconds, means the world to us. Thank you for supporting the show. Really, really, really means a lot to us. And that that is episode 20. Do, did, will, the Story of People podcast is now available on the Cryer Media Network. The first five episodes are here and feature some incredible guests that fit into one or all three of those categories. Ready? Tara Sloan from the San Jose Sharks Undercurrent Podcast at NBC Sports. Marianne Iveson from Iveson Voice and the Let's Take This Outside podcast to talk about the world of outdoors as well as voiceover land. Ariana Hunsicker, future Canadian Paralympic swimmer, already winning tons of awards for this country. Scott McGregor from the Hot Wallet podcast to dumb down the world of crypto, Bitcoin, and NFTs so you don't have to. And Jackie Holawati from Climate Pledge Arena in Seattle, Washington, the first net zero carbon certified arena on the planet. Wherever you get your pods, wherever you watch your pods, and on the Cryer Media Network. Hi, I'm Logan Anderson, host of the Say the Damn Score podcast. On my show, I deep dive into the sports broadcasting business by, you guessed it, talking to sportscasters. The show has featured big names like Bob Costas, Kenny Albert, and Vern Lundquist, as well as many up-and-coming broadcasters who you may not know yet, but you will know soon. Whether you're looking for professional development as a sportscaster, different career paths, or if you just want to be entertained by hearing some of the best storytellers in the world tell their own stories, this podcast is for you. You can subscribe to the podcast on all major podcast platforms, or you can visit our website, saythedamnscore.com.